When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. You're very welcome along to the first podcast of uh, the new season, the first bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast of the new season. I can't remember what number this is, uh, but um, it'll be on the, the title on whatever platform you're watching this. Um, it's the same same people, uh, same voices that are with you once again this year. Uh, it's Magoo. How are things, Magoo? Not too bad. Connor and yourself. Good, good to be back. Yeah. Uh, Donner, how are you? Great. Can't complain. Only complaint is that we're not able to travel with the team to Europe. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. We might have a chat about that as well before um, we finish up. Um, th- there's been a lot to talk about. We're not going to cover everything in this podcast um, because um, we want to have content for next week as well. Um, just to say, uh, coming up, we have uh, a conversation with the current Sligo Rovers number one, Ed McGinty. Really good chat with him. Um, about his career with the club to date and what he was up to before he was at Rovers. And we also speak to uh, Oshin Moore, who's the producer, or one of the producers, at least, of um, the new Sligo Rovers documentary, Shine, that you can watch on YouTube. Um, so, lads, we get stuck straight into things. Um, we've had three friendlies. Uh, I guess, listen, it's hard, uh, it's hard, Magoo, to draw too much from friendly matches, but... Um, uh, what are you going to draw from the three friendlies that we've had so far at loan in Harps and a draw against Galway? Um, well, like you, as you say, it's hard to come up with any sort of pre-season. The fact we have only seen one of them too makes it hard to draw any conclusions from them. But um, I don't know. The Finn Harps game looked, um, it looked okay, I suppose. It was, you know, it was, it was sloppy at times, but it's to be expected in pre-season. That much so just about the fitness really, isn't it? And getting yeah. the shape and getting the boys to each other. Because um I suppose in the, even in the, in the times we're in now, especially it, it'd be a lot harder for to to get you know a team bonding together and stuff like that. So it'll, it'll, it might take a lot a bit longer for teams to gel and players to fit in than would usually happen. Yeah, I don't know. You know there's, no, there's, there's no lads meeting afterwards going down for a coffee or there's no going for a jar or whatever. There's not, none of that is happening like, at all. It's just the drive into training and the drive out of training on their own. And there's no, there's no mixing at all. Like, so it's, you know, it, it's, it's probably, you probably see a few games, a few uh, pre-season friend games like that. Even maybe the first few games of the league might be the same. It'll just be maybe yeah. a bit disjointed and a bit, bit of a struggle. Yeah, especially what you're saying there, Magoo, when you still have the likes of the Freeze to come back into the fold and... Like Romeo still hasn't played a game yet due to his quarantine and Walter's only in now as well so he's still getting to know the lads. There is yeah. still a good bit of gelling to be done there. But I guess like that's the same for everybody. It's interesting, Magoo, you even said um, on the WhatsApp chat that there's changes around the showgrounds to prevent some of the players from kind of congregating in places and stuff like that. So it all has yes. to be done. Everything has to be done on the pitch, on the training pitch or in the friendly match. 
yeah, like that's there, there's not even a dressing room for them. Like we don't even have a dress, the dressing room banter. There's no dressing room banter like huge one either. Like so, it's, it, it'd be very hard for 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 new fellas coming in for new lads coming in. Like it really would be very hard. So I wouldn't be judging any new lads uh, really quickly. Like you know, it'll, it'll take a lot a bit longer to settle in than normal this year. I would imagine. Yeah, I guess um, we can probably expect similar shape to what we saw last season going on the um, on the, the friendlies that we've seen today. Um, the back four. Um, well, interesting that Horgan, yes, has, Horgan has played has played um, uh, full back for for all the games. I think hasn't he? Um, yeah. And um, he's playing the three in the middle and um, one up up top with you know two two white men. That that shape looks like it's going to continue into the new season. Well, I was thinking yesterday when I looked at the team first that he he might have been going for the three at the back, the three five two or a five three two. Or, but obviously, then when um, who managers who, who went off? Buckley. Buckley went Buckley off. Buckley went off fairly early. Yeah, that was it. He, he obviously bringing on young Collins to hold the shape. Obviously changed then. So, but but Buckley has done for the years like the three five two as well. Remember when he came in first? He was talking about that. Yeah. Shape, but he never he hasn't really played it with us. But you never know. It'd be good to have a, di- a few different strengths of the ball anyway. It, it, but it, it, yeah. Go on, Sean. Sorry. No, I, I know we'll dwell, delve into it properly next week or not, but um, you know, just with the way the shot, squad is shaping up there, you can see that there is option, tactical options available. The players are there that allows us to swap to a, a 3-5-2 or a 4-2-3-1 again or whatever it may be. So it's, it's great to see that flexibility. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk about was, um, obviously it's great to see um, it's great to see goals being scored in the friendly games. And... Um, our own homegrown talent, uh, Johnny Kenny, has uh, been responsible for some of those. Um, but I guess, you know, like, what are your expectations, Sean, for a player like him over the coming season? Look, I'm like any Rovers fan. I'm absolutely delighted to see another local lad break into the first team. And it's great that he's getting the exposure he is. But I'd also like people to cool their jets a bit on him. Because I think already we're seeing a lot of pressure being put on his shoulders in terms that he has to come into the team scoring goals straight away. This lad is only, what is he, 17, 18? He's just breaking into the first team here. You know, I, I, a perfect season for me for Johnny Kenny would be making 10 appearances and maybe getting one goal. And I would honestly say he's had a sensational season if that was the case. People, I know that there'll be lads making jokes or whatever about being top goal scorer and doing this and doing that and leading us to glory and... That's just putting too much pressure on a young lad's shoulders, in my opinion. There's experienced lads there that he's going to sit back and he's going to learn from them. Just let the lad develop at a proper pace and just enjoy his development as well. Because all, all you'll be, you'll end up being disappointed in terms of if he doesn't deliver 10 or 15 goals this season, you know what this place is like sometimes. They'll just end up slagging him off and saying yeah. he's useless when it's just not the case. Yeah. And, and the reality is um, he started the, the three friendlies um, you know, you'd imagine Romeo's going to be there in that number nine position anyway, you know? Yeah, and, and the freeze has come back in too, like, so. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the amount of game time that, um, I'm sure John Kenny's going to be busting to get onto the onto the, the field, but his game time is probably going to be, he's probably going to be behind these players just by the natural order of things. I was just going to say, like, it's, it's, it's natural for everybody to be excited, like, we're all excited to see, like, there's nothing better than seeing a, a, a local lad coming through and bringing us on to, to glory or wherever like that. But it's um, 
you just need assurance that everybody's to cool off a bit. Like, just he's right. Like, you know, it is his season, his season is all about development this year. And as you said, there, Connor, with regards to Romeo and the Freese is there, and you'll have also you have Walter there as well. So these players are going to be ahead of him. And look, he's going to learn off them, as I've already said. And if he did break in and start scoring 10, 15 goals, unbelievable. We benefit from it. But I just don't want people getting their expectations too yeah. high too quick. Yeah, OK. As we said, we're going to we're getting to the squad, the new additions, um, uh, in greater detail and greater depth next uh, my next podcast. Just really quickly um, on one other significant signing that we've made. Uh, just 30 seconds or 10 seconds from each of you on what Greg Bulger, um, an addition like Greg, Bul- Greg Bulger to the squad. Bulger's a winner. And that's, he brings a winning mentality to the squad. It's exactly what we needed at this point in the development of the team. Is there someone to come in along with the likes of Gary Buckley that's already there, that's won league titles, won cups. Bulger's played with the best players in the league all throughout his career. He's constantly been at a top level. So to bring a player like him in, I think is massive for the team. And he's a, he's a real level-headed guy as well. He brings a lot of experience on the pitch and off the pitch. He's an intelligent lad. And he's, he's also the sort of player, from my perspective anyway, he's the sort of fella you hate to see on the opposition team. And he's the sort of fella, you know, he, he brings that kind of, like a bit of grit uh, to his game as well. That maybe, you know, for me, I think that's what we've been missing. That leadership. Um, and uh, like I'm not saying he's going to come in and, and he's going to be the, uh, the focal point for, for the team. Obviously, we've got other players, but he does have that level of experience. He's been around the block. Maybe it's that kind of idea of, of being, being around the block that's been missing maybe from the team because, because we've had such a young team for the last number of seasons. Definitely. And I think he's a player that can come in and dictate the tempo of a game. Just he's the type of player that can put his foot in the ball, you know, when we need to settle it down for five or 10 minutes instead of players getting too excited and that, and just settle it down, dictate the tempo. And then he's also, he could turn around and hit a crunch and tackle and just get everyone lifted again when it needs to be done. He's, he was the perfect signing, really, and truly. It's, it's, it's a bit of a masterstroke from Buckley, I think. I it think is, it's yeah. going to pay off big time. No, as Sean says, yeah, I, think he, I actually think he will be the, the, the focal point. I think he'll be the leader. Like, I think he's going to be the man. You can even tell by the way Ed was speaking. Or the minute he started on about the squad this season, he was straight on to Bulger straight away. Signings like Bulger. It obviously gave the whole... I say before he even walked into the, the showgrounds, when the rest of the team, the rest of the players heard he was signing, I say it gives them all a big lift. All the chest went out. Oh, yeah, this is to make a signing like this. Show them one place and step forward. And you can see even in, in the Harps game, like he, he probably wasn't at his best with the ball, but but it's just his, his game intelligence. There was a couple of times he just stepped in, just to intercept balls and uh, break up att- their attacks and stuff like that. He was just so cute where he was positioning himself around the pitch, and you can see it all. It's, you know what I mean? His experience and his and his game intelligence is there. And as Sean says, then he's unafraid to put the boot in either. Yeah. And you need it, you need we we've missed someone like that for a long for a long time. Someone who's needs to put the boot in. Like we've had fellas who who are who weren't afraid to tackle and stuff like that, but you know what I mean, a bit of attitude about him, like and he won't be afraid to give it to other fellas and give it to his own teammates as well as the opposition. Yeah. Okay, listen, uh, you mentioned Ed there. We um, we have a great interview with uh, Ed McGinty, Sligo Rovers number one. Um, and um, the first question that we uh, asked him was uh, whether he was, he was glad the fact that he'd got an opportunity to sign a two-year contract with the club. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I, I was wanting to get it over done quickly, but it, it was done quickly in the end, and I was happy to get it done and happy to get it the, the two years. So just to kind of show like a wee bit of commitment in that, and um, obviously on the European side of things, that was just a massive um, bonus for everyone, and just kind of gave the whole club a laugh. So it was just a kind of good positive feeling around the club and that. So it kind of made it simple for me then as well. Um, the I guess the supporters. You know, I'm eating a cough sweet here. I'm going to take that out. I guess as supporters, we were kind of anxious because, um, like last season, was such a, um, you know, you really kind of, you really stated your your claim as, you know, what we see as one of the best keepers in the league at the moment. And um, I guess we were worried as to whether or not we were going to have you this season. So, um, was there interest from elsewhere? Yeah, there was. There was a bit of interest, to be fair, but. Um, I've always kind of said I don't really like I don't really care about moving to other teams in the league. To be honest, people have said, "Oh, you you should if you want to kind of go further in that." But I think if I was to win the league with or win a cup with another team in the league, bar Sligo, it wouldn't quite feel the same. So I believe we can do it with Sligo. So why would I go anywhere else? That's the kind of way I look at it. Okay, so that's that's interesting. There's definitely interest from within the league. What about um, from further afield? Um, yeah, I, I don't really like you hear things in that, and obviously, you know, you kind of any young lad or young boy coming like in the league Ireland would want to kind of move over the water and try and try and go for new challenges and stuff like that, you know. And you hear things, but no, I don't think there was anything really concrete or serious. So I think just focusing on the league Ireland for another while yet and getting games under my belts and improving um, is the focus for me at the moment. And um, before um, the lads jump in, the, the last thing that I was going to ask you was um, like the fact that it is a two-year contract. Like you're, you're obviously you're a young player. Um, you kind of feel like you're, or I guess to us, it feels like you've been here for you've you know you come through the academy. It feels like you've been around for a long time. I guess to a degree, you would be viewed as something of a, a senior player in the in the team. So that, that idea of getting the two-year contract, um, that's kind of a statement from the club. But that's something you were you were happy to to go along with two to be tied to the club or potentially tied to the club for, for another two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, of course. As I say, you know, I'm like, like I'm, I'm happy at Sligo and like, I'm always trying to push myself and get better. And I can, I can do that at Sligo. And like, um, just, I, I do feel like there's, like there's kind of unfinished business, you know, like playing well and stuff's one thing and, and improving's one thing, but you want to get trophies and stuff at the end of it. So, as I say, I just want to do that with Sligo. So, um, and obviously the two years is just to show a bit of commitment. But at the same time, you know, if, if opportunities come up elsewhere, you know, you've got to think about these things. But um, as of now, you know, I'm I'm happy and I'm just wanting to learn and do well at Sligo. Hey, I think I'm right in saying you started out at Celtic, wasn't it? Yeah, I was only like, I can't, I, honestly, it seems like a different life. It was probably like nine or ten or something like that, probably, I think. And tell us how... You know, how was your time at Celtic? But also, how did that lead to moving over to Ireland and ending up at Sligo Rovers? Oh, I don't, I don't actually know if there was any... I don't even know if there was any connection there. But, like, Celtic, like you're, you're, it's amazing because you're just, like, a young boy and you're, you're, you're just training and doing what you love and you don't really think about it. I mean, my dad's saying, like, you know, this is, you know, it's like it's Celtic and that, and they're, like, oh, proud of you and stuff. And I'm like, 
I kind of looked at it as nothing. Like, I was, I mean, I was just like, I'm just playing a bit of football and that. And then, um, kind of, and then I mind like towards, I think I was there for two or three years. I think I was there like till I was 11 or something, I don't even know. And then I mind like they were chatting about, oh, boys, you know, there won't be a few boys here next year. I was kind of going, like, what? I was like, I'm used to it. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get complacent when, yeah. when you're showing up in here. You kind of get complacent when you're a kid, naturally, because you're just like, you're just enjoying yourself. So, that was a lesson in itself, but you're just a kid, like you don't even know what you're doing. You're just you're just having a laugh. That's really it. Just became everyday life for you, really, was it? Yeah, yeah, it became yeah, it became like the norm, you know, and and it was it was really enjoyable. And then um I mind um I remember getting released, man, and I was just bawling my eyes out, my mom, and we're driving home from Barrowfield. It's like twenty five minutes of home, I was just crying the whole way home. But you're just like you think your whole world's came on end, you're like you, 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 it's like a bit of your identities came from you and, you're just, and then you look back and you're like what was I doing man you don't even know yourself you know what I mean but um, like, it, it still sits with me you know it's still it's still in there and you know it's kind of I kind of I want to prove these people wrong in a wee bit you know that's part of it as well it's still so well, yeah. what happened then how um, how does the move to um, well you know I, I haven't heard it from the horse's mouth but I've heard a lot of people tell me um, the story of your family moving over to um, to Bally Shannon. Can you can you give us um, an overview of what happened there? How did you end up in Sligo and moving into the academy? Yeah, so I was at, I was at Hibs for a year after Celtic, and then and then I was about when I was fourteen, fifteen. I wasn't even. I was just kicking a ball in my school, and I, I was outfield most of the time. I was just playing outfield in my school, and then I was kind of training in goals with. Hamilton Aki's just training at the underage and Motherwell now and then, maybe once or twice a week. Wasn't really doing anything serious. And um, when I was, I think, when I was doing, you call it leaving set, we did a year earlier over there. So I think I was 16 or something. My mum was like, oh, I just got a phone call off, um, off a boy from Sligo, Sligo Rovers. And I was like, I was like, what? What are you on about? And she was like, um, oh, I want you to come over and train or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sorry. So I went over for a day that summer in 2016, I think, a day training. Then I came back to school and everyone thought I was like Cristiano Ronaldo, man. I was like, relax, people. I've just went over and I've only trained. And I was like, I can't even mind half the players there. Like, um, like your man was there. You know the boy that manages uh, Drogheda, Tim? Is it Tim Clancy or something? Tim Clancy, yeah. Yeah, he was a player at the time, so... He so was, he was I mean, at the time. He was what? He was in the showgrounds at the time, at the time yeah? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm Unless I'm wrong, he played the side, wasn't he? He did, yeah. He played with Hibs as well. Yeah, yeah. Like That's how long ago it was. I just got, I went over there and then I came back to school and then and then it kind of, my mum and dad said, you know, you could go and train with these boys every day and just try and learn. And I didn't really, like, I was just kind of like, I all right. So we got the exams over us and then obviously, like my dad from Donegal and my mum kind of likes the lifestyle in Ireland, you know, just likes the countryside and that. And my brothers had moved to NUIG Galway. So there was always kind of the movement to Ireland there. And then it kind of like, it was almost like like a calling in a way because like, like we already had the holiday home in Bally Shannon. It was as if it was like a task. So it was just like 35 minutes up the road. So I was like, this kind of makes sense. And then, and then I just went. So... Yeah, from from there on, it's good. it's been good. So, um, you know, did... go on, Magoo. Sorry, 
Do you know who was who called uh, in the first place, Ed? Um, who made the, fo- who I made went the phone to, call? Or how, or how I did think they, it was... How did, how did it know about you? Where did it come from, like? I think it was um, Decky McIntyre that made the call to my mum, but um, as I learned later on, it was actually Dinky that kind of, he was a man that kind of done all the work to, I do not have any idea how he done it, but he said to me, he was like, because obviously I had the crack with thinking that I'd be well closer and travelling up and down, well, not anymore, but um, he said that he, Finn Harps or something like that had got wind of me. I don't know how, because as I say, I wasn't even playing. And um, they just, I don't know, I think they just said no. Nah. I didn't know anything about Finn Harps. Like, I had nothing. And then Dinky got the number off a boy at Finn Harps or something like that. I don't know. It must have been something like that. And um, then Dinky might have passed on a number to Declan McIntyre. And Declan McIntyre called my my mum. But um, as far as I'm aware, it was it was Dinky that, um, that put all the strings behind it. Do, do when you get together when the squad gets together, are you talking about what the goals are, what the aims are for the season ahead? Um, well, you know, when you bring in players like Greg Baldwin now, like he's won leagues with two clubs and cups with two cup, uh, clubs, and um, you know, Romeo Parts coming back, you kind of get the idea that we're, we're not kind of we're not trying to mess about this season, you know. What I mean, we want to be kind of worst case scenario, top four, and obviously the best one in the league that's always the aim. So, um, I think all the boys are just on it that like. Like we've got to have that winning mindset. We don't, in terms of talking about it, um, you know, maybe before like a few preseason games, we might just you know talk about it, like just in terms of how we're wanting to go forward and stuff. But um, no, we, we everyone's everyone's wanting to win, and that's the main thing, really. So we'll, we'll just take it from there and and try our best, really. Have you seen Have you seen it go up a level, uh, Ed? I know it's only early in preseason, but does it feel like there's more intensity and more to us? Than previous yeah. years, yeah, yeah, it does, and obviously off the back of last season, you know the way we were after lockdown, we're just trying to as kind of the minimum now. You know, you want to build on these things. You don't want to just kind of say, "Oh, well done, we done well there," and get a cigar. Right? You want to kind of push on and 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 everyone develop. But yeah, as I say, with the signings we've made, um, and in training and that, you know, you can there's kind of just a vibe about the place where you know. We seem like a team now. We seem like a real serious threat in the league, and that's what we want to be. So, yeah, in, in regards to a change, there is a change, yeah. With regards to Liam Buckley, he obviously gave you the chance. He made you the number one and made a huge call by making you number one over Mitchell Beanie, who had arrived with a big reputation from being at Chelsea and that. But he put you in ahead of Mitchell in the end. How much of a confidence boost was that and how much of a factor was it in creating a good relationship between yourself and Liam? Yeah, well, it was. I think it was the twenty nine, the twenty nineteen season. Yeah, it was. I mean, pre season, like I was, I was just coming in for it. I saw, I said, I was, I'm getting number one. That's it, regardless. I don't care, and 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 I got it. But I, I worked hard for it in that. So when it came to to the way I was training in pre season, I kind of not in a, a cocky way, but I kind of knew I was like, I, I'm starting here, and if I didn't, I'd be going kind of on what's going on. So when he told me, I was buzzing and. Obviously, I played that first game well, and it kind of led on from there. And since then, I've had a great relationship with the gaffer. Do you know what I mean? Just personally, and obviously on 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 the pitch as well. And it kind of makes you want to play from a wee bit more. So yeah, it's, it was it was a good it was a good one for going forward. Definitely. And then you managed to get rid of Luke McNicholas. How did you do that? 
<laughs> no, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say I get rid of him. No, I mean, look how good pals, man. I love what he's. He's. Uh, he's such a sound guy. To be fair, and a great yeah. keeper. And but, to be know, fair, he's, I think he's doing. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I was just. What I was going to say. Sorry for cutting across you, but the fact that there was no league cup um, last season, uh, and that you got like, I guess you were told that you're number one, and you had that confidence to to try and to really kind of set your stall out. Um, was that was that beneficial for you? The fact that there was very little distraction. You had a kind of a clear run in the position, um, and you know there was no league cup. There was no chance of anyone coming in and. And putting in a good performance did that help build your confidence? I, I I don't really get my confidence from other people not getting in. You know, what I mean, I get my confidence from me, kind of, and, and and only me. I don't really, I don't really look around and say, oh, he's not doing well, I'm doing well, blah blah blah. I don't really compare myself to others, and I'm not saying look, he wasn't doing well and training every day. He was he was flying it, but um, no, I don't really get. I don't really look at other keepers. I don't really. I don't really care. Like, about, I mean, I know it sounds daft. You know what I mean, I just it's not caring about other keepers isn't going to improve me. Do you know what I mean, that's the way I think. So, um, no, I didn't. I didn't really cause any distraction. It would have been the same regardless. And um, what is your relationship like, or what did you know about uh, Richard Brush before he came in? Um, he, he's obviously a huge figure in in um, with Rovers over the last. I don't know how long is he around. Is he? He's been in and out of the team over the last decade. But um, what what do you know of Richard, and um, how have you been getting on since he came in? Yeah, well, ah, he's a madman. He's a legend, man. But <laughs> um, I mind, I mind. I think it was the year two thousand and nineteen or something, or, or one of the years. Um, he came in for training, and, that, and I was like, "This man's a madman." I mind Dinky telling me about him. He's, he's just a funny, funny man. And um, and I was actually buzzing. I was buzzing when he came in. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is gonna be a laugh." Like, and but. Like he's a he's a good keeper and you know, and a professional side. He's already like you know we 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 chat things through and talk to the young lads as well. And obviously he gives me tips as well. And 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 he's been a great lad. But no, he's he's just a funny man, a, a great character to have about the place because he just he just brings kind of that positive energy, not just to me but to kind of everyone. So no, I've really enjoyed my time with him so far. Hey, watching watching on your development as a goalkeeper, hey. You know, the sweeper-keeper role has really come into your game. Like, watching your starting position is is very high on the pitch. Is that something you've been working on? Yeah, it's... it's um, I kind of I kinda like it, man, because, like, I fancy myself as a bit of an outfielder, do you know what I mean? So, I'm always trying to... Where did you play? Uh, what? Where did you play when you were outfield? I was up front, Shane. I was a main man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Left foot, right foot. But, um... No, like, I'm kind of, I was always, like, kind of, like, quick. Like, for, for I'm not by any means saying I'm fast, but, like, I mean, over, like, a short distance, I'd be kind of quick. So, when I went away with the 21s, they kind of noticed that I was, I would sit deep in my goal a wee bit. And then, but because I was kind of quick for the first few, I could get away with it. So, then I'm trying to, like, just make it easy for myself by stepping up and that. But, no, I do. It just it just makes the game so much easier for the team when you come out and just kind of smother these things and clear these things. It just kind of makes it so much easier and kind of nullifies chances getting created. So, but I enjoy doing it. I love coming out and just cleaning things and cleaning boys out of it. I enjoy it. And with regards to the under twenty ones, Ed, how did you find that experience? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really good setup and a really good experience. And like I learned so much, so much from like my time there. It was untrue, and the coach there, Reg, is you know what I mean. He's 
he's closer to Leo and that, so they tied in well. And um, obviously training with high standard of players, it was good. It was it was a good learner from me, and like I just really enjoyed it. And I was I was proud to play in that. Um, you said that um, you're over age now for the 21s. That's you done with that age group, is that right? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, like because I don't know how it works because there was 22 year olds in the one I was on at the time, so I don't know how it works, but I think I am. So, in your head, have you got a plan for um, what your career, how your career is going to work out over the next uh, ten or fifteen years? Like, do you can you kind of do you visualize that in your head? Yeah, I do. I do like visualize a lot of things in that, like even short term and long term. So, yeah, I've kind of got my plan. And, and obviously, um, you know, you, I presume part of that plan is to maintain or to continue international football. Um, have um, have you, um, can you see you, at some stage, have you got a plan of how you're going to work your way into that national team again at senior level? Yeah, like I'm, I can see it happening, to be honest. I'm, I'm, but I still, I'm more concentrated on learning and developing, like, you know, and, and getting in the 21s was good in that. But like, like a lot of people have done it in my head. I don't, I don't see that as, at the time I thought, yeah, this was un, like really good in that, but I didn't see it as, um, Looking back, I loved it and that, but it's all about the next thing for me. Like, what's the next thing? And obviously, if wherever whether it's down the line or short term or, or long term, to play for Ireland would be a dream. But I think I'm capable of doing it. Would Scotland still be an option? No. Nah. Really? Yeah. No. 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 Like, even though I, when I was in Scotland, you can ask my mates and that. I, I like I said, I'm Irish and that, and they were just winding me up like, "How are you Irish?" And I was like, "No, nah, I'm Irish," because like my dad was always saying that. So. Don't be worrying about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Committed to the Rovers and the Irish. You're all good, Aid. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, how did you get on? Like, I know we, we we only get to see we only got to see the the Finn Harps game, um, but what's your takeaway from the the from I guess from a squad point of view, um, the the three friendly games that we've played so far. Um, has the manager been happy with um, how things have progressed? I suppose it's hard to say, but has it been a positive three friendly games so far? Yeah, it has been. Pre-season, you know, it's still about fitness and that and getting a feel for it and the boys just getting getting a feel for it in the legs again. But, you know, um, that phone game, a lot of positives, you know, three goals and that. And um, the Finn Harps game was kind of a different one. They kind of, you know what I mean Finn Harps you're not going to get a friendly with Finn Harps you know I mean you can call it a friendly but it was a game like and we we done we done fairly well we we managed the game most so in the second half as well and then the Galway game was a learner for us because again they're, they're, a, they're a good team you know regardless of what we're doing they're, they just they kick it long they get two boys up front two physical boys and they, they squeeze the game to play off them so we soon realised that you know playing out and getting on the ball against a team like that's not going to work so you had to put them in behind but so our first half there wasn't wasn't great, but you know, second half we started to play more like ourselves. But as I say, like pre-season, you know, scorelines all over the place are a bit weird, you know what I mean? So it's more about just getting a feel for it and then and then saving it all for the for the season. Okay. Um lads, have you got anything else? Where does you realistically think what can you think we could realistically achieve this season? And if Rangers came in, which is nine <laughs> It's a dinky question. Rangers <laughs> <laughs> could come in with any amount of money in the world and it's not happening. 
mean, I mean that. Um, so that's that one dealt with. Um, realistically, no problem top four. In my head, I can see that no problem. Like, but again, you just got to build on things. Like we got top four last year, and we made it hard for ourselves. So if we just if we play well and and that we can like you want to be pushing up that table. You want to be if you want to be the best team, you got to beat the the best team, sort of thing, you know. And you, you got to do it with conviction and belief. So, as I say, like, like, I don't want to make just any look, promises or that. But what? Just looking around at the business that's done by the rest in the league, considering where we finished last year, and what our what our rivals have done over the close close season. Like, you think we're well placed? I think we're well placed. Would you? Yeah. 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 I- a hundred percent, yeah. Like the the players we kept on, like Ryan DeVries and 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 Banksy and like top players, like and and the players we brought in, you could, you would have to say that the squad strengthened. Now, yeah, we just need it to click with the squad. So hopefully that happens, and if it does happen, if it clicks, like as I say, it's just then a mental thing, a mindset thing where you've got to go into every single game saying we are winning and we're going to show it and we're going to do our best to win and give everything. So. That's the way it's got to work, and hopefully, hopefully, it all comes together. Okay, okay. Listen, Ed. Uh, thanks for your time. Um, best of luck with the season, and um, hopefully, we will check in with you again uh, throughout the season. Um, but um, yeah, thanks a million. No worries, Connor. Okay, See cheers, you Ed. Talk cheers, to you. Good luck. Bye bye. Cheers, Ed. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ed McGinty there, Sligo Rovers number one goalkeeper. Um, he had an incredible season last year. He kind of filled you with that confidence that I suppose Shams fans will get when they see Alan Manis's name on the team sheet. I think he's he's that he's that level of goalkeeper. You know, he is top quality. You just know what you have in between the sticks. You know the he's he's reliable. Magoo as well. Do you, you remember um, the the Shams game? He let that goal in under his legs, but he has that mental strength that you could see this once it happens. It was over and done with. Yeah. It was cleared out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's uh, a major, uh, one of his major points in this game is his mental strength. Because, like, Sean says, they're uh, reliable. Like, when he came in first, he wasn't, but he never let a phase of him. Like, the mistakes that he made, he ne- as you'd say, he never let a phase of him. He just brushed it off and he got on. And you can hear in his interview as well, he's not worried about outside influences. He's not worried about who's on the bench that might be taking his place. It's all about within himself and how good he can be and how much more he can push on. And you can hear he's an ambitious lad. Like that yeah. there's no, he's not going to be resting as ours. Like and it's not going to be, he's not going to be lax. And 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 I think he's only going to get better. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any worries about him this season going backwards. I'd say it'll be stepping on again. And his um his level of confidence is interesting. Like he's clearly a confident guy. It's not overconfident. It's not bravado. It's it's kind of it's, it's his, his own confidence focus. in his own his confidence in his own ability. Like he knows how yeah. good he he knows how good he can be. You know? It's the he right kind of confidence. How good he is now, yeah. You know, just really quickly from the club's point of view, what do we want to see happen here? We, I mean, the fact that he's on a two-year contract, I guess we want to see him progress as well. We want to see some money from him. Is that is that like the ultimate end goal here? Oh, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. Like, we're not yeah. we're not going to hold on to him forever. Naturally. You know, you can see he's an ambitious lad, but you don't want to get to the end of them two years and have clubs knocking on the door across the water and we lose him for free, you know. You'd, mm. That's that's the tricky situation. I, the club will have to sort that some way or another, but 
you know. Well, if we got to the end, if we got to the end of the season without him going, you'd have to just offer him another extension. Yeah. Another one year extension onto it. But if he's if he's attracting interests at the position he plays in, obviously, it's no doubt means that we're going to be doing well as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, listen, we'll move things on. Um, thanks, million to Ed for giving us his time. Um, the next uh, conversation that we have is with Oshin uh, Morn, who's a producer of a new documentary um, about Sligo Rovers. It's called Shine, a Sligo Rovers documentary. It's available on YouTube. Uh, to watch it, if you haven't already watched it, uh, you can search for it in YouTube and uh, we'll share it on the Bitter Ed Supporters Trust Twitter feed and social media channels. Um, but if you search for Shine, a Sligo Rovers documentary, you'll get it. Um, so here's a quick conversation that we had with, uh, with Ushin. First of all, Ushin, thanks uh, for joining us and uh, congratulations on um, the documentary, I guess. Is it a documentary? How would you describe it? I guess, first off, can I just say thanks very much for having me on? And I've enjoyed the podcast, especially last season. And I think it was fantastic for keeping in touch with the club, especially for somebody who isn't based in the town. I think it's important that there's stuff... I suppose you would describe it as a documentary. Um, I, think, I think that's a fair enough description of it. Like it was a kind of a project to kind of highlight in and around Rovers in the community and the town. And yeah, we class it as a documentary. Um, wh- where did the inspiration come from? Obviously, you're uh, an avid Rovers follower. Um, but where did, you know, wh- wh- what, what led to this um, being produced? Uh, well, first off, the Heritage Committee and the club Michael is heavily involved with that, who produced it with me. And they released a book, uh, History of Sligo Rovers, a couple of years ago, in the coffee table book. And I got a present to that. That, that book is fantastic. I've, I've yet to see a book in the League of Ireland like it. It's brilliant. So reading through that, it came up with the concept of doing something, you know, a documentary or a project or something visual from it and kind of using some of that. And that was the, that was the basis for it, really. We got talking at a wedding. We ended up having a few pints and we, mill, we kind of milled it out a little bit. And then we started, Michael rang me, says, we'll go down and we'll talk to Joe Martin. And Joe Martin was fantastic. Uh, like he, I'd hazard a guess he's older than the club. I, I don't know his birthday, but I've a hazard a guess. Like, yeah. uh, you know what? He's, he's sharp as a tat. Like he's brilliant. Like we have about an hour of an interview with him. Now, some of it was, wasn't really relevant to the project. But it was just great listening to him. You, you can't stop him. He's just on a roll. Like, the man's yeah. fantastic. Like, it's not in the project because I couldn't just quite fit it in. But he's talking about being at the train station with all the fans. Dixie, Dixie Dean arrives in at the train and the crowds and everything. Like, that, that stuff, we, have, we still have that on tape. Or, you know, I still call it on tape. But uh, it's there now and we have it. And at some point, maybe somebody else does something or else, something on the club. But we have that interview. I guess, you know, I guess there, there's something to be said for, you know, for capturing and creating some sort of archive of all these different people who've got all these different experiences. And obviously, for people who are um, of an older age, you know, it's, it's hugely important to, to try and capture that. And I suppose this, this project has done that to an extent. Yeah, it, it has. Like, that was one of the aspects of it was to kind of create a digital archive. And it was down, Ski is based in Galway. And I, I'm in Galway a couple of days a week. And I went out to chat to him out in Barna. Ah, he has great tales. He's he's brilliant. Ski's a legend. Like now, I don't really remember Ski playing football, and like Dykesy saying he's the best footballer you've ever seen. That's high praise, like. Um, but I have Ski talking about being off in Holland and Rude Hollett coming in and training with them, and he kind of knew him a bit from that. I have him talking about being in England, 
scoring at Anfield and ah, like there's brilliant stuff. Ideally, in a few years, maybe somebody beyond my skills like creates a website and you click on a picture of Ski and Ski tells a story. That's there. We have it now and it, it's there. And as long as that hard drive survives, it's there. Yeah. You know, so hopefully, like it, it gives somebody or gives the club an opportunity to do something that at a certain point, this can't be done. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your own background. Obviously, you brought um, a particular skill set that you have that you've acquired as, a, as, which, as what you do for a profession, what you do for a living, I guess. What's, what's your background? Uh, well, my background is television. And, well, professionally, like, used to work in McGargles now. Um, in, that, that stood to you as well, Oshim. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, some good stories, but that's a different, that's a different podcast. Um, no, I, I've been kind of working in television since about 2005. I was up in Ballyfermot. I was in television since 2005. And the kind of cameras and the editing and all that kind of aspect is fine. I have no problem with that. And then Michael brought his set of skills. Like he was a journalist covering Rovers matches, and I think since 1979. So he, he kind of had what I was missing and I had what he was missing to create it. Like he opened the doors. He's interviewed Fago, say, probably a hundred times over the years. So Fago trusts him to talk to him. And I wouldn't have had access to these people on my own. And I wouldn't have had the level of trust for them to tell the stories the way they did. Like they, had a, they, have, they have a huge level of trust in what Michael brings. So uh, he was like doing the camera work and we tried to do it as, as nicely as possible and create it in, a ver- in as high a standard as we could on zero budget. And that was one aspect of it. But there's a vital aspect of making it was Michael opening the doors and having the trust with the characters involved. I think what stood out to me about the um, documentary was like the, the cup win in 83 is so, um, you know, it's heralded obviously by the club and the fans. I, I never knew that, and only, it was only after watching the documentary, and I can't remember who said it in the documentary, but somebody, that team were not particularly good. They didn't perform particularly well in the league. They finished third from bottom. Um, yeah. But, you know, I always presumed that these guys must have been challenging for, you know, league honours, but, you know, that wasn't the case. I, I'd like to say it was before my time, but I think it was about two in 83, yeah. so I don't remember it. Um, Anthony Kilfeather That's right, was Anthony. talked about it. Now, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony has an incredible collection of stuff out in the house, but he, that was news to me as well. He was basically saying the team was awful. It was yeah. one of the worst, te- worst Rovers teams ever. Like, and there's, there's Fago there as well, and I don't, I don't think he denies it. Like, but... Yeah, I suppose, as Dyke says in about 94, I suppose you create your own luck as well. Like, And they had that bit of luck there. They, you know, there is, the, there, is the, there is that curse that the club knew about for years that, you know, that was there. Now, it wasn't mentioned for other reasons, but um, all the kind of, all the things fitted together for 83 and it all came together. And you know what? They seemed to have that bit of luck that was important. And like... It looked like looking back on that footage, I got all that footage off YouTube. Like it was incredible scenes up in Daily Mount that day. Like the crowds are even now with the COVID thing, looking at crowds is one thing, but like huge crowds, seeing Fraser Brown with the, up in the up crying in the in the crowd, um, having Anthony Mannion talking about him, then seeing a grown man in his eighties crying, like like great stuff. Like like the scenes there must have been incredible. Like yeah, 
Um, I, th I, I feature in a documentary as well. I'm the child in um, on his father's shoulders in the blue, uh, the blue uh, jacket. And my father tells hey. me, yeah, that's me. Um, Jesus. <laughs> my, father, my father tells me a great story of when the cup came home um, yeah. on the Monday and um, he, he was in Cahanies and um, yeah. the whole town was in Cahanies with the, with, the, with the cup and the team. And, yeah. uh, a young Tommy Gorman walks in with a uh, cameraman. And, yeah. um, you know, everybody who's in the pub is ranging, is ranging sick, like, you know. It's, like, <laughs> it's about half 11 in the morning, you know. And, oh, right, okay. Uh, and Tommy comes in and the camera pans across the pub and there's people diving out of the way and there's people <laughs> hiding under, under tables and hiding under bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, um, well, listen, um, so how can people, if people have, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the vast majority of, or a lot of Rovers fans, anyway, for the most part, would have seen it already. But yeah, um, it's called Shine. Where, where can people catch it? How can, how can you watch it? It's, we've made it as accessible as we can. So we've put it on YouTube. So all you have to do is go into YouTube, go into the search box and put in Shine, a Sligo Rovers documentary. It should pop up. And it's up to over 8,000 views at the moment. So I'd say a large portion of the Sligo Rovers community has seen it. But I'd love to get it out beyond that and kind of show it off to other League of Ireland fans or just football fans in general. It's got a bit of a pickup in England and it's been shared around by a few Everton fans and just trying to, I'm trying to get it out. Like, um, I know that, I know that uh, Danny Ventry has seen it. I know a couple of other people have seen it. Like, so I know Gavin Perry shared it around Twitter and a few other places. So the more, the more people that see it and the more shares, brilliant. But it, it's really easily accessible on YouTube. Yeah, okay. I'd imagine as the season, when the season kicks off, it'll probably pick up a bit more traction as well. The production quality is like, I have to say, the thing that the, I watched the first, uh, you sent me a link a couple of weeks ago and yeah. I watched the first, um, couple of minutes um, immediately as he sent it to me. And just the production values for what you say is a zero budget um, are excellent. It's, um, yeah. it's a really great watch. So um, congratulations on, um, on putting it together and getting it out there. And there's also a bit of um, local, is that original music from Pierce McLaughlin as well at the end? Yeah, that's actually an important aspect of it. I was kind of wanted to mention that in so far as like, he gave us his back catalog. He's a couple of albums. He's always tipping away. He's kind of, I don't know how you describe it, but it's kind of trad with atmosphere and a bit of electronica. I don't know how to describe it, but it's good. And he gave me his whole back catalogue to work with. So he, he just gave us a free reign of it and said, go on, go, go make something with it. Now, it was, that was a big part for me insofar as he grew up in Knockenray Villas, which I think is the same place Ski grew up. It's only up the road from the showgrounds. You walk down in five minutes and it kept everything local. Like that, it was kind of that was part of the project was to keep everything within not within Sligo but within the club and within the community of like. Okay, well, listen, um, Oshin, thanks again for joining us. Congratulations on uh, on getting it out there, um, and um, we hope to see the numbers, the viewing numbers, continue to rise over the coming uh, weeks and months. Yeah, congratulations and, and thanks a million for joining us. That's Oshin Moore, and he's the producer of Shine Sligo Rovers documentary available on YouTube. Um, it's a really great watch. Okay, so uh, just to wrap things up, uh, a quick reminder, if we get this podcast out fast enough on Friday that the Slugger Rovers uh, Bido Bingo, is that what it's called? Um, it's an O'Grady Fest, really, is what it is. Uh, it's every O'Grady under the sun uh, on Zoom playing bingo. Um, at least it was last Friday night. Um, but it's, um, it's a fundraiser for the club, and you can get details on the club website um, it's bingo, basically, and it's on Zoom. Uh, and it's good fun. 
Um, so we'd encourage as many of you as possible to um, to check it out. Um, did any of you any of you on it last week, lads? No. Okay. No. I, I, no, I actually wasn't. No, but I know a lot who who were, and said it was brilliant. So it was great night's entertainment. Oh, well worth it. So I might give it. A, I might give it a blast tomorrow night. Yeah, get yourself a bottle of wine uh, and your bingo numbers, uh, a highlighter marker, and away you go. <laughs> you were on the you were on the corner, weren't you? I was on it. Yeah. And yeah. it took me it took me about twenty minutes to figure out how bingo works. Um, I know it's a pretty straightforward <laughs> game, but uh, I, I was tripping myself up. So I probably I probably won a couple of rounds at the start, but um, uh, I probably didn't know about it. But yeah, it's it's a good crack. Um, so uh, first podcast down. We'll be back again next week. Um, who will we be talking to? Who knows? Um, but as we did, as we said, we're going to have the squad in more depth because there's been a lot of new faces and. Um, yeah, we'll be wrapping up, lads. I think that's it. Just to everyone that's listening as well, thanks a million for tuning in. And look, if you can continue to spread the word and share it, and we'll get bigger and better as we go along, hopefully. Yeah, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. See you, Magoo. See you, boys. See you, Donner. Chat to you later, lads. <laughs>